Live from Parts Unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Simon Miller and thank you very much for downloading me, well, for the next, I don't know, half an hour, 40 minutes, an hour, to chat about the world of professional wrestling. Let's not beat around the bush. I'm sure that a lot of people have downloaded this or streaming this or however you listen to your podcast uh, for one thing only and you want to talk about the return, the return of Daniel Bryan. I mean, I don't know what else I could say that really hasn't been said elsewhere other than the fact what I think a lot of people are, are missing out on and I've done a video for this about what culture, actually, so definitely keep an eye out for that. You can go follow them on YouTube, just search for what culture WWE, and give them a follow. Is that, you know, it's always good when a wrestler comes back from an injury, especially an injury that you think is going to take them out for good, such as Shawn Michaels back in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. The difference, and this is not a knock on Shawn Michaels or anything else, but the, um, the biggest plus point with Daniel Bryan is it's almost like, I don't want to say that, I'm not, I'm not saying that people deserve it or don't deserve it. That's a horrible thing to say. But when it does come to Daniel Bryan, what's really lovely, for lack of a better term, is he comes across such a nice guy with good values and good morals and a good heart and all of that kind of stuff. It really does make you, it actually ties into the pro wrestling character of this baby face that you have sympathy for, that you root for, that you want to do well. And that's why we all fell in love with him to begin with, because he was a genuine guy. I mean, he's a great wrestler, obviously, first and foremost. But he came across like a genuine guy. He was entertaining. And, you know, we didn't, we, you know, we're all in the same boat now. But we didn't necessarily enjoy how he was being treated by the company because we thought he deserved better. And we wanted to see this organic push that we weren't getting. So eventually that happened, you know, that he gave him his moment. Whether or not that would have carried on, we don't know because he got injured. But it was almost like, again, coming, uh, coming good against the odds. And that's what's happened again here. And again, the fact that he does come across such a nice dude, I think adds to the whole, the whole presentation of it, really. And I think that's why it's such, a, such an amazing thing. Like I remember when Shawn Michaels came back, there was a lot of excitement. And people were... I mean, he didn't have a big... We did have a kind of a retirement speech. But I don't think it was as well documented or as... Um, it's social media. Just the world of social media changes things. But there was certainly a, a sense of excitement when Shawn Michaels came back. But I don't think there was this overwhelming... Just this joy and this happiness that seems to have come, come with Daniel Bryan, and I think that's the most. Uh, I think that's the funnest part of all of this. Is it, it, just, it, it just again it ties into the wrestling character because now we're watching SmackDown, for example, because we enjoy the stories and we enjoy where we're going for WrestleMania. But we're also watching because now we want to see what Daniel Bryan's going to do, both as the performer but as the human being as well. And we hope that because we like the human being, he gets treated right and booked well. I don't think there's that many wrestlers like that. Even someone like Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock, they were, we, we love them more. I think someone did an article about this. I saw a headline on, on Reddit. But you know, you love them more because they were they were badasses and they were great characters and they were good on the mic and they it was you know you could live through them vicariously. Whereas Daniel Bryan, it is more of just a what a what a nice man. Please can the nice man you know succeed, especially because he's a really good pro wrestler, which is obviously you know that, that's that's the that's the the icing on the cake is that he's really good at what he does, and it was taken away from him far too young, and I think that's why when WWE.com released the statement, everything just blew up and it was trending worldwide in minutes because 
you know, even I know a mate of mine who doesn't watch wrestling, but even he texts me about it because, you know, it bled out into the stratosphere. I mean, that was more about, you know, popular wrestler who's been away for two years comes back as opposed to Daniel Bryan is returning to the WWE. But that, that, that's not the point. And I just, it, it's a feel good story. And I think one of the biggest problems with 2018 WWE is we don't get many feel good stories anymore. Like the baby faces aren't baby faces, like Roman Reigns, for example. So when you get one, that's why AJ Styles and Nakamura are so good too. But when you get one that's genuinely beloved, genuinely gets cheered, and there's a, there's a, genuine, genuine, a genuine feeling in each atmosphere of, of the fans that, that cheer him when he comes down to the ring. It just makes pro wrestling all that more fun. And I think that's what pro wrestling is all about. I get we had Shades of Grey in the Attitude Era. I'm done with Shades of Grey now. I want good guys and I want bad guys. I want guys that I really want to do well, see do well. And I want bad guys to, you know, steal wins here and there, but ultimately get theirs. It's why, the, it's why what WWE's doing with Nia Jax is so good as well. We'll get to that in a sec. But yeah, I mean, genuinely, I couldn't believe it when I, uh, when I saw the news about Daniel Bryan. Um... It's just, it's one of those things where the story's been going on for so long. And if you do subscribe to the Arresting Observer or PW Insider or anything like that, you know, a question they ask all the time is, is Daniel Bryan ever going to come back? And no one really knew the answer. I think maybe a year ago, it was more like a definite no. And then as it, obviously, this must tie, tie into his contract a little bit in the sense that his contract's coming up in September. And, you know, maybe that did spark WWE to, 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 to look, look into it a little bit more. I don't know. And maybe they thought we don't want him to go on the indie scene because, you know, that would be that would be horrendous. Which I don't think be horrendous. Nothing's going to stop WWE at this stage. But I imagine they would rather that wouldn't have happened. And yeah, it's just I've, I don't know. I mean, obviously there's the worry about what happens going going forward. But I mean, the rea- the reality of the situation is if he did take a bad bump and that took him out the uh, took him out the game, I don't necessarily think that either WWE or Daniel Bryan is stupid enough not just to draw a line under it. And I think that would be okay. I don't think, I don't know much about concussions, so I'm not going to pretend I'm any sort of expert. But I don't think one, if he has to go away again, I'm sure eventually it would level out and he would be all right. Which means, you know, for now we are okay to just to just go forward and, and see what happens. But for me, above anything else, it's more just a delighted feeling that that he's back. It's just I said, Matt. I want I want to see him wrestle. And at the end of SmackDown, when they did that beatdown angle, and you know he he marched his comeback for a little bit, it was just I felt I really I felt it. I was like, yes, Daniel, get them, get those assholes. And I just don't feel like we get that very much uh, in like I say in modern day WWE, and that's why I think it's so exciting uh, to have him back again. Genuine babyface. That's all I want these days. Is a genuine babyface. I'm sick of the Roman Reigns stuff. Not Roman Reigns. Of everything around Roman Reigns, it just it just wears me out because you know I, I, sometimes I just want us all to go along with the story that WWE are presenting because I think it would be um, it would be a lot more fun. But you know, it is what it is. But yes, I'm I'm over the moon that Daniel Bryan came back. Um, you know, even I, a lot of people would even argue that the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan match. You know, it's not the best use of him, but the fact this wasn't even possible a week ago, I think is that's why it's amazing. The fact we're even going to get to see it is great. And who knows? Do whatever you want. Turn Shane Hill. Do Shane Daniel Bryan. I don't care. I'm just happy he's back in the ring. Obviously, I'd like him to be pushed as a top guy. If he's not, he's not. Whatever. Um, You know, it's it's just got to the point now where it's just awesome that, that he's even back to begin with, to be completely honest. So, yeah, I mean, there's not much else I can say. It's all out there, all the information about what you have to go through and getting cleared by specialists and who knows what else. Uh, It certainly sounds like he spent two years dedicating himself to this, which is another reason why I think people get behind him so much. 
because he just, as he said, he just he just believes and he doesn't he doesn't let things. Well, he said even even in 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 the face of adversity, when when things were getting him down, he still you know he, he still he still stood tall, and he, and he made sure that he got back to where to where he wanted to be, and I think that's um, I think it's wonderful. So he's back, and yeah, like I said, that probably is going to be the tag match for Mania, which I think will be great because uh, shame, man, shame, man, fine. But Kevin Owens is awesome, Sami Zayn is awesome, and as we saw on uh, Tuesday, nobody is still better than Daniel Bryan. Ultimate fire comebacks. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I'm looking for it. I actually think on paper WrestleMania 34 sounds sounds brilliant. You know, if everything is executed the way they want to execute it. I genuinely think it, I mean, you never know with these things. It can go either way. But I genuinely think it could be one of the best WrestleManias in years. I don't want to say ever, but I think it could be if, if it goes the way they, they would like it to go. We'll have to wait and see. We will, uh, we will have to wait and see. But I'm excited. I actually thought it was a decent week for WWE all in the last seven days. I mean, it kind of has to be at this stage because, you know, we are building up to, uh, to WrestleMania. And that's when you've got to get your big guns going, got to get people to... To buy back into the WWE Network, got to get that peak. Still think that was a terrible idea. I mean, not a terrible idea for the fans. For the fans, is absolutely wonderful. But I still think that, you know, putting the, the, the network, or putting WrestleMania on the network was not, was not the most well thought out plan by WWE, given the money they could have made. And let's face it, I bet most of us listening to this right now would have still bought the network if WrestleMania wasn't on it and bought WrestleMania. I would have done. Uh, the reason I like it being on there is because obviously I live in England, so I can watch it whenever I want the next day. I've got to stay up, and they never take it off now. Like they, they just can't. It would be it would be too too controversial to say to say the least to do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I do I do think on paper it, it's going really well. I enjoyed what they did on Raw with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. I think it was kind of what we expected, very Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I don't think we can ever criticize people for being too Stone Cold Steve Austin, given that Stone Cold Steve Austin was the most popular man ever. Um, you know, if you didn't see it, basically, you know, Roman Reigns comes through the crowd. He's meant to be suspended. Kurt Angle tells him to leave. Roman refuses because, of course, he does. And then, it, you know, he, he, the police come out and he gets handcuffed. But he starts fighting off the police. Like, it's very Attitude Era uh, building into a show where you're trying to get somebody over and they're not necessarily over. Obviously, that doesn't work with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was super over, but I understand what they were doing. Obviously, when he gets handcuffed and he's taken... Actually, I will say this. I thought Roman Reigns' beatdown of the police was great. I thought he did a really good job. I thought he came across aggressive and with fire and, you know, all the words I think I've now used twice. So, yeah, in that sense, I was, uh, I was impressed. Of course, then Brock Lesnar comes out, taking advantage of, uh, of, the, of the handcuffed man, beats the crap out of him. The idea was to get Brock Lesnar booed. And they did to a certain extent. It, it depends when you fall down on this. I'm never going to boo Brock Lesnar because I think Brock Lesnar is cool. <laughs> he just is. And I think that that's the problem they had here because he kept, I think a few other places have said this as well. I don't mean to be stealing their opinion, but I do agree. I think the problem was because he came back to the well so many times, he became a badass. He's like, yeah, this guy's getting stretched out and you're still whooping his ass. This is brilliant. So I think that was a, that was a problem too. Uh, not a problem. I, I mean, I know what I just said about good guys and bad guys and, and baby faces and, and, and heels. But I think in this situation with Roman Reigns, you just kind of have to do what you can. And that's why, um, you know, in this scenario, I don't think you're going to get Roman Reigns cheered. I don't think you're going to get Brock Lesnar booed. So maybe this is where I can be a hypocrite to what I just said. And yeah, Shades of Grey is probably, it probably makes more sense. Um, just because but that, that is the situation you've created for yourself, though, because of everything with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar potentially leaving. It, it, it's, it's, you have to do this kind of weird 
faux reality storyline where you know willy won't he is he is he not um so yeah that's the that's that that's and I, I thought it was good though started the show nice and simple roman reign gets stretched out lesnar looks tall we all know lesnar's gonna lose so he can be strong every week really and you can play the story of oh what can roman reigns do because he's gonna win so it's not like it makes a big deal uh and personally i'd like it if roman reigns wasn't on raw next week to sell his injuries i don't think wwe does that enough but you know either way i get it build to wrestlemania you probably want all your big stars on there uh, so yeah, you know, a solid, a solid start to Raw. The other highlights I like from Raw, I'm not going to do it in any kind of order. I think what WWE's doing with Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss is surprisingly good. You know, given the track record they have with things like that, and you know, the times they've dropped the ball in the past, I guess you could call it a body shaming angle. But you know, Alexa Bliss comes out, she pretends she's sorry, then she then turns, you know, she turns heel uh, and says no, she doesn't care. Nia Jax deserves it. You know, that bleeds into a match with Oscar for some reason. Didn't understand that. It's a nothing match. Did nothing for Oscar. Don't understand why we're doing it. But hey, it was there to, to serve a purpose, which was, you know, when Oscar starts getting her comeback on, Alexa Bliss bails, because of course she does. She's the heel. And who comes out to whip her ass? Nia Jax. And that's where, you know, I wanted to see Nia Jax get her comeuppance, which is what it's all about. It's been a very natural and a very smart face turn. Uh, you know, I actually am rooting for, for Nia Jax. Obviously, Alexa Bliss has been has been horrendous. So, yeah, it's, you know, I just, and, and, you know, here, Mickey James got in the way, which is her role. Let's face it, that's the way she's being, uh, she's being pitched at the moment, is she is just the, the lackey of the group, of those two anyway. So, you know, she is there to get in the way, which she did. She got thrown into the, uh, the sort of the signboard below the ring on the apron. Alexa Bliss gets away. And then, you know, she finds Kurt Angle and says, oh, you know, you've got, to, you've got to ban this woman. She's terrible. And Angle says, no, I've seen what you've done. I've got a daughter and, you know, women and all that. And I've got women. And, you know, your, your punishment is that now you've got to face, uh, you've got to face Alexa. You've got to face Nia Jax for the championship at WrestleMania. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Makes all the sense in the world. I like it. I just, I just think, it was, I think it was really well done, uh, which is surprising for WWE when it comes to women because sometimes uh, it's not well done at all. So yeah, good around WWE, I thought, on that sense. Uh, I love it. You know, right, right there, we've gone through three matches, right? Tag match from SmackDown, great. Lesnar Reigns, great. Alexa and I, great. Not overly enthused about the Intercontinental title triple threat, just because I, I just don't really like... Um, it feels... I mean, it has been rushed together, because originally, obviously, it was meant to be The Miz versus... Uh, what's his name? Braun Strowman. That got changed, for reasons who, who, who knows... Uh, and then that trans, you know, transitions to this three-way instead. And it's going to be a good match. I think Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins uh, versus The Miz on paper is very good. And I think, I think we'll enjoy it. But right now, it's just not a lot to it. I mean, we've got this sort of ongoing, oh, Finn Balor doesn't like Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. And The Miz just hates everybody. Okay, cool, whatever. But it just it feels a little bit flat to me. Um, it feels like, you know, it, and this is the case. It feels like these guys have been thrown together because they wanted to have them on the show. And they didn't have anything else to, to do for them. So they're like, well, we can just we can just push them all together. Which is a shame because I think we potentially there could have been more. And it could have been used as a as a platform to maybe help with the Intercontinental title, which still feels a little bit left in lost in the shuffle. I'm glad that Seth Rollins, you know, said it, you know, he's won all these titles and he hasn't won that one. That's great. It's always good when you when you highlight it that way. Um and then obviously we had what was the match? We had the the Ballot Club versus the Miz Taraj. Uh, Ballot Club wins. Mr. Rice likes laying the boots in. Finn Balor comes in to sell to... Uh, sorry, Seth Rollins comes out to help Finn Balor. 
And he's like, you owe me a favor, which as I said on my ups and downs, makes no sense. Seth Rollins didn't call in this favor. Sorry, Balor didn't call in this favor. Rollins just turned up. Illogical. I mean, the problem here is it also tied into everything with the tag team division because Gallo Anderson's are now back with Balor. Even though they haven't been with him for, for weeks after Braun Strowman just destroyed all the tag teams last week. So that was a bit, uh, yeah, that sucked. Um, but, I mean, like I say, this is one of those uh, situations where the, the destination will actually be better than the journey because like, they'll have a good match, but the build just feels pointless to me. I mean, if we do a, a sort of a parallel here with the US title program on SmackDown, that's the same problem too. It feels like three guys have just been thrown together for something to do. And what do we do on SmackDown? We just had Jinder Mahal and Bobby Roode and Randy Orton talking mostly uh, and getting mad at each other. And, you know, that's okay. But, again, I think for me, I don't really care who wins. You know, if if Randy Orton retains, all right, great. Um, if Jinder wins, people probably moan. If Bobby Roode wins, okay, well, he's already been into content, uh, US champion, so that's that's fine. And it's kind of the same the other way. In many ways, I'd like, um, you know, the Miz to retain the IC championship just because I think he does well with it and he really cares. And, you know, he's been trying to go on a big run uh, run with it, so to take it off him seems unfair. Um and if Finn Balor wins, great. If Seth Rollins wins, great. But I don't really necessarily think it does much for them. So again, it all comes down to the match on the night of WrestleMania 34. Same with the US title match. And it's really what we transition to on the other side. I think we should turn Bobby Roode heel. I know people like his entrance and the glorious stuff. But in terms of his character, he's a much better heel. I'm not necessarily a big fan of him as a face. I don't mind Randy Orton being in that match. You know, he brings star power to it. And Jinder Mahal is Jinder Mahal at this stage. Um, I think maybe a stipulation... Oh, excuse me. From nowhere, from one of them would be good, just to try and separate them from the two. But it's not the end of the world if they don't. It's just something I personally, personally would like to see. Uh, but I think that is that that is the issue. They they just parallel each other too much. It, it it does feel like block booking when you do that. Oh, we've got these two similar belts where we'll have you know two triple threat matches. I think we could have come up with something a bit different, uh, which I guess. Maybe is why I like. I want to say what, what, why, why, why I like. Um, it's hard. The Braun Strowman uh, Raw tag team thing is hard because, like I say, we did see him absolutely laid to waste an entire roster last week, um, and that's not going to help the tag team division going forward. No matter what happens, we've already seen what happened to the revival. I mean, who the hell did they fight on on Raw? They fight. Uh, who did they fight? A bunch of nobodies, and they won really quickly. I can't. I thought the Titus brand. So that was pointless. Gaz and Anderson just get thrown back in with Balor. So that's pointless. And, you know, Rhino and Heath Slater are Rhino and Heath Slater. Um, and, you know, in terms of, again, out context, seeing Braun Strowman throw a lot of people around and become the number one contender for the tag team champions is great for Braun Strowman and his strong man image. It's hilarious. But, you know, taking that away, it is nice to have the idea of a mystery partner. It's, you know, it, and like I say, Braun Strowman is slowly becoming the most important asset WWE has. So that's, you know, you want to keep him strong, even if you are sacrificing an entire division. And if you can come up with a good partner for him, having his first championship, which I believe is his first one, as the tag team titles with somebody else, that's okay. I think as long as you come up with a good, uh, a good sort of balance and personality and chemistry between them. Could be Big Cass. Apparently Big Cass is cleared. Wouldn't mind that. They'd look imposing, which I think is really important. Uh, you know, this sort of really tall, massive tag team. So that may work. I don't like the idea of Elias just because I don't understand how you ever justify man gets smashed with piano, then wants to then wants to be a tag team. I mean, 
<laughs> that seems uh, that seems utterly utterly baffling to me. But you know, you you, you do whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, and then maybe there's a. I mean, the Big Show was an option. I just think that's a bit boring. No offense to the Big Show, of course, but that to me is just going back to the well. Maybe one one too many times. I don't know. I, what I would ideally like with that as well is for him to eventually lose the tag team titles and then you can segue Braun off for a feud with whoever he's meant to be in a team with. But yeah, I, I do enjoy the week-to-week idea of it. I just don't like it when we're, when we're dropping out loads of tag teams. When on the other side of WrestleMania, we're going to need good tag teams. Which is why, which is, again, which is why I love what they're doing on SmackDown. Because you have three viable tag teams, the Usos, the New Day, and the Bludgeon Brothers. And while the Bludgeon Brothers keep getting the other ha- upper hand, we've established that the New Day and the Usos are really good. So, you know, when, when you look at it that way, it, it, it's fine. I still think maybe all the, all the tag teams should be on either Raw or SmackDown. That will never happen because they've obviously introduced championships now. But I think it would help, it would help no end. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, after WrestleMania, we can do some call-ups. I'd like to see Authors of Pain up there. Uh, well, probably just the Authors of Pain for now. Maybe put them on Raw. That would be pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I do like everything to do with the Bludgeon Brothers. The Bludgeon Brothers right now feel like monsters, which is exactly how they, uh, how they, should, be, how they should be being portrayed. And I think they should win at WrestleMania because I think you can keep that feud going for ages. What do the New Day and the Usos have to do to take down these two big guys? I think it was Harper versus Jimmy Uso on this week's SmackDown. Obviously, Harper smashed him, smashed him up. We still haven't seen Xavier Woods or Kofi Kingston, I don't think. Maybe I did see him on SmackDown, I don't forget. But that's good. I think it's really good. I think it's put together really well. And I'm excited to see. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. I think that's key. As long as I'm excited to see where it goes, then obviously it's done it's done it's it's done something right. Uh, so it got, it's weird though that you can see sort of, you know, I say ICUS stuff not working on either side. For me personally. Uh, I'm not saying they're bad fuse, I just find them a bit boring. And then, you know, the tag team title is really good on SmackDown, not so good on Raw. Uh, Sasha Bailey stuff is fine. I'd rather they were doing a one-on-one match, but it looks like they're going to be in the Women's Battle Royal, which probably makes sense because one of them can win it. Their feud can then continue after WrestleMania, and obviously you need women in that Battle Royal. You've got to have some star power in that Battle Royal, so I'm all right with that. I've got no problems. Uh, well, I would probably prefer to see Sasha versus Bailey one-on-one, but if you haven't even started the feud yet, maybe you don't want to do the first match at Mania. I could understand that. That makes perfect sense. So we will see... Uh, we will see. We will see what happens happens with that. I think it's kind of just there at the moment. I imagine either Sasha or Bailey will win the battle royal because they screw the other one over. I still kind of hope Sasha goes heel and Bailey stays face, just because I prefer. What is it? Wait, wait, what did I just say? Yeah, Sasha heel, Bailey face. Right, I prefer that. And I know you need to do something different with Bailey's character, but I think Sasha being a heel brings out the best of the good version of Bailey. So maybe you could rehab her a bit as well. I think that was all of Raw, right? That's my notes. Let me double. I, I, I thought I wrote them all down, but usually I double check, and now I've got the I've got the fear. So uh, you know, as always, I'm looking it up because <laughs> this is just what we do um, on uh, on a podcast. Because it's like you're like it's like it's like you're alive and with me. I know what I've forgotten about. How have I forgotten about this? My favorite part of Raw, which was the final deletion. Now look, I'm the first one to admit, no, it wasn't as crazy as what they'd done in TNA. And Michael Cole looking into the camera, unless it was part of a storyline, saying, "I'm sorry for what you're about to see," is ludicrous. Never apologize for your own content. And even if I thought this podcast was rubbish, if I started off by saying, "I'm really sorry for this," you'd be like, "Why am I listening then? Why am I here?" And yeah, the ultimate deletion is nuts. It's all over the place. It's crazy. Matt Hardy is a borderline loon. But that's what I want from it. I want it to be stupid, and I thought it was great. From the moment Bray Wyatt turned up, there's a floating Vanguard one with Matt Hardy's digital face. I just, I just loved it. Um, I, I, the only problem I have is I don't think that WWE's done a good enough job of telling the story here of Matt Hardy. 
Um, I think they could have eked out a lot longer. Not even eked out a lot longer. When they actually started to turn him, I think they could have done more as opposed to him one day just being Woken Matt Hardy. I think that would have been a lot better. So I think that's a shame. Uh, and that kind of tied in here because Jeff Hardy just turned up as Brother Nero. He's like, oh, I'm Brother Nero now. He's like, what? Why? Why are you Brother Nero? Um, they could have done more with that too. That's my only issue with it. But, you know, not worrying too much about that aside... I love the fact we've got all the cameos of the people you're used to. I would be intrigued to see, actually, on a side note, what if you, did, you haven't watched it before, what on earth you thought, because it was not well introduced or explained at all. But if you did, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought Senor Benjamin being under the boat was great. I enjoyed Brother Nero turning up, you know, as a cameo. And I really like the fact that Bray Wyatt got thrown into the Lake of Reincarnation because it is the perfect way to rehab that character. You've got, as stupid as it may be, you've got a storyline. You don't have to actually pretend it's a real Lake of Reincarnation. You can say something like, oh, Bray Wyatt couldn't believe what happened, and so. And I think that's what's really good. We've got a really fun ending to Raw. Hopefully now we can push the Woken Matt Hardy stuff a bit more crazy, which is what it should be. It should feel like a change of pace and a and departure from the rest of Raw. And we can rehab Bray Wyatt and bring him back as something else. And if that is the end goal to all of this, I think it's helped Matt Hardy, and I certainly think it helped, it's helped Bray Wyatt. So I'm excited to see uh, what they do with it. If nothing else, it was just after three hours of watching the same stuff, how long was that? Like 15, 20 minutes? Probably not even that long. It was lovely to have, uh, to have something that different. It really, really was. It put a smile on my face. It warmed my heart. And it really did make the three hours feel not like three hours. Because again, it changed, it changed things up. So I would take more of this. Uh, absolutely. And I certainly wouldn't apologize for it, WWE. Really one of the strangest things uh, I think that's been said on WWE. Unless it, as it, ties, if it ties into something, no problem whatsoever. Uh, but just make sure that fans going forward know that it ties in ties into something. I also realize I haven't talked about John Cena and The Undertaker. I guess because while it was a good segment, and I did think John Cena did a very good job, it was a bit, I don't want to say it was just there, but, you know, again, John Cena cuts a really good promo on The Undertaker, passionate, uh, you know, fans both love it and hate it as they would because it's John Cena. And then Kane comes out and gives him a choke slam. That works because it builds the Kane versus John Cena next week, and then you can do something dastardly or crazy there to... Um, to get The Undertaker to actually agree to a match. And I thought everything John Cena said about, you know, whether you, you know, I, I don't care if the answer is yes or no. I just want an answer. And I, excuse me, and I thought, yeah, that, that kind of, we can all understand that. What is going on with my mouth? But yeah, I was like, we can all understand that. That all makes, that all makes perfect sense. So in, in that regard, I thought it was a really good promo. The only thing I'm worried about is that we're getting John Cena versus the American Badass, which is what I don't want on any level. I hate the American Badass. Uh, I'm not going to go into that here because I've just done a video for What Culture on it. So I'll employ you to keep an eye on their channel just because I'm going to repeat myself and there's no point doing that when we've got other stuff to talk about. But yeah, I do think it's going to be a good match along with the original Taker. Storyline or Kid Rock purposes aside. And yeah, John Cena here. When John Cena wants to be, he's still one of the best promos Possibly ever, I think you could argue. When he cuts an impassioned promo, I really enjoy it. So, um, yeah. Let me double, now I'm going to double check raw results once again, because clearly I don't know, uh, I can't remember anything, but I'm 99% sure that's, um, that's all the good stuff. I thought it was a good episode of Raw. I thought they did a lot to build to it, uh, mention the things that I don't like. Um, but, you know, you, a three hour show, there's only, you're going to run into um, some foibles. Uh, SmackDown, again, the absolute highlight of that was everything they did with Daniel Bryan. Uh, you know, watching him do his comeback at the end and just be as good as he was two years ago. I'm no surprise, really. Still only 36 years old. It was just heartwarming. We've talked about all of that. I am excited about that tag team match. I think it'll be great. And I think the fans will just be so happy to see Daniel Bryan. It'll be a moment for all of us. Because I kind of feel like, in a weird way, we all feel like we're on this journey with him. Which is why it's so lovely 
Um, the Oscar Charlotte Carmella Natty stuff I actually thought was good. I didn't like the promo earlier on in the show because it literally was pointless. Charlotte was saying, uh, uh, oh, goodness gracious, Natty was saying to Charlotte, oh, Oscar's going to beat you, Oscar's going to beat you. Why do you even care? Why do you even care you've got a match with Charlotte tonight? Why don't you focus on that? Because if you win, you may be in with a title shot. But I did like what they did because Charlotte and Natty had a really good match, as they always have, right, dating right back to NXT. And then, you know, Carmella trying to cash, cash her, her money in the bank in and then Natty rolling Charlotte up. I, I totally agree that pinning the champion a few weeks for WrestleMania is really dumb. But... The commentators, I thought, justified it by saying, look, not only has Charlotte got to worry about Oscar, she's got to worry about Carmella and maybe even Natty as well. I would like to see Carmella cash in at Money in the Bank and lose. I just would. I just think that's a more interesting story to tell because I think you want Oscar to... Well, it depends, really. If you want to hold off Oscar winning the title because once Oscar wins the title, she's probably going to hold on to it for a long time. So I presume you could... But then does that count as a loss? It probably does, right? If Charlotte... If Carmella cashes in and wins, and turns it into a triple threat, then Oscar loses, right? I don't know how that works. But that's why I think Carmella should probably cash in and Oscar wins. I just think that's more interesting. I think it gives Carmella an arc coming out of all of this. As for Charlotte, you can probably get a couple of rematches out of it. But the match was good, and I like the storyline stuff. I thought it made it, and I thought it made a lot of people desperate to win that championship, which I also uh, I think is important. Other women's stuff, I didn't like. It was lunch and napkin. Versus, you know, that's Becky Lynch and Naomi, in case you don't know, because my autocorrect went bad once. Against the Riot Squad, again, this feels like filler. It always feels like filler. They're going to be in the Women's Battle Royal. Great, but, you know, they, they do feel like they're, they're treading water. Uh, the other stuff was everything to do with Shinsuke Nakamura, Rusev, and AJ Styles. I completely understand you can't do anything with AJ Styles at the moment because he's been injured. And because he's been injured, uh, but he's going to be good to go for WrestleMania, you want to protect him as best you can and hope that you know he doesn't make it worse in the in the interim, which I don't think he's going to. But that also means that now Rusev has been like he's like the setup boy. We've got Nakamura versus Rusev. Obviously Nakamura won because he's the number one contender going into WrestleMania. He's not going to lose. Um, so that was disappointing. And then you know after the match, Aiden English jumps in. They do a beat down on Nakamura. Styles teases he's going to get involved, but he can't because of his real life injury. But Nakamura fights them off anyway. So once again, that's Rusev and English, you know, being jobbed out. And here we are, two SmackDowns away. From WrestleMania. And I don't know what Rusev's plan is. I don't want Rusev in the WrestleMania Battle Royal. I hate the WrestleMania Battle Royal. Look at Mojo Rawley. Doesn't do anything for anyone. So I'm hoping they stay away from that. I mean, there's these rumors that he may be involved with a celebrity, which I'd much rather. Even if it was Macaulay Culkin. That's all right. I'll take Macaulay Culkin versus Rusev. I just want him to have a match where he is separate. And, you know, all the work he's done to get over is, uh, is appreciated. Whether or not we see that, I don't know. But, yeah. It's not... Well, I just, I just love him. I just love him. Uh, Baron Corbin had a match with Ty Dillinger, which Baron Corbin won. I mean, they're so in the uh, in the under the giant battle royal. I don't even know where to begin. Talk about how the mighty have fallen as well. I mean, nothing is happening with those guys, especially Ty Dillinger. I'm more surprised about Baron Corbin because I thought Baron Corbin was, um, you know, their guy or at least someone that they that they hope to do more with. And yet here we are. Yeah, here we are, and he's he's I mean, he's he's got less uh, less plans than Rusev at the moment. I don't know where the hell he's he's heading for, but I guess we'll find out. I imagine maybe he wins the it depends who's in it, but maybe he wins um, he wins the Andre the Giant the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. I, I mean, does it mean anything? Does it mean anything these days? I don't know. Uh, as we are, I mean, I think that's everything that happened on WWE TV this week. I can't remember anything else that went down or that we should be talking about. Um, Mark Henry got announced to go into the Hall of Fame probably well deserved when you look at the WWE Hall of Fame I'm not sure you could argue against that really 
you know, he's there for 22 years, I think, when he started. So that's pretty good. Um, Rumours that Rey Mysterio is um, uh, coming back to the WWE, you know, I think that's probably the right time to do it. He's probably come to the apex of his career. I know he injured his bicep recently. I think he's out of the New Japan court now in Long Beach. I think that's the card in Long Beach. I think that's the case, which is a shame. So I think people would have liked to have seen him versus um, Jushin Liger, I think he was going to face. But, you know, I think Rey Mysterio uh, coming back is, yeah, is, is, why not? Why not? I, I, I don't think that, I mean, I think if he goes on SmackDown, I actually think that'd be a really good addition after, after the, uh, so you know, when the, the, the brand split comes, I actually think I'll give SmackDown, him and Daniel Bryan on there, I think I'll get a real shot on the arm, you know, ratings are doing really, really well. I think maybe you could potentially keep them there with star power. So that would be interesting. Uh, that would be interesting to see. On a side note as well, I'm literally going to read this as, as it was reported. According to sources, as always, Vince McMahon thought the ultimate deletion match featuring Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy would bomb. Several officials who were backstage at Raw were under the impression that Vince McMahon was concerned about how the match would deliver among the current WWE audience. With that being said, Vince McMahon and WWE officials now consider the match to be a success. It was the number one trending topic worldwide on social media for several hours and held over 3 million viewers for the third hour of Raw. It was reportedly a struggle to get the match on WWE programming at all. Due to the success of the match, it's believed that Hardy could potentially be allowed to produce more content along these lines. And of course we should do that. Of course we should. Change up the... Raw gets boring. Like it gets really boring sometimes just because it's so long. It's not your fault. You have to produce a three-hour show. But anything you can do that you know, makes it feel different is a huge plus. So you should absolutely do that. There's no reason to do it. And also, if you'd read the latest Wrestling Observer this week, apparently we have the, the, UK, uh, the UK project, we want to call it, maybe being filmed in December. Um, you know, we don't, we don't know, because obviously that's been going on, going on for a long time. But that is the, uh, the rumour that hopefully in December we'll be filming a UK project. I think that'd be awesome. You know, I think it got this big Saudi Arabia, the biggest battle royal ever, or whatever the hell they're calling it. Are you going to have 50 superstars? Is it 50? I think it's 50. I'll tell you what, um, Daniel Bryan could win that. After all the Royal Rumble controversy we've had over the years, I actually think WWE could book, uh, could book, um, what do you call it? Uh, Daniel Bryan to win that. And I think that would be a lovely little spin, spin on everything. But we'll have to wait and see. Um... I've lost my train of thought. What was I about to say? <laughs> I segued over to the Saudi Arabia thing. Oh, yeah, talking about that. I want the... Yeah, I think as WWE branches out and gets bigger, I think having these little... Uh, such as the UK uh, UK uh, Federation or company, whatever it will be, I just think it adds something different. Like I'll watch that Saudi Arabia Battle Royale. Seven title matches, 50-man... Well, 50-person, I think they called it. Raw Rumble. Going to be on the network or on Skybox Office if you want to watch it that way. And if they do a UK tournament, of course I want to. Of course I want to see it. If they're going to have guys like you know Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne, Wolfgang, Mark Andrews, Zach Gibson. I, you know, These are people that I've watched over here. And if I can now go and watch them on a specific WUK show, I think it gives help to the UK scene. I think it gives inspiration and hope to all UK wrestlers who may be, uh, again, as I've said before, when I was growing up, the, the, the thought of that was preposterous. Um, that you could actually, you know, have something like that. So I think it's really exciting. Just for the UK scene in general, I think it will help it thrive, would be my, uh, would be my guess. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the more, the more we can do that, the better it's going to be professional all around. You've got to make sure, I don't want too much content because we all know what happens then. It just dilutes everything. 
But hey, we will see. Also, if you don't know, Edge and Christian are going to induct uh, the Dudley Boys into the Hall of Fame. So they'll be there on whatever day that is, the Friday before WrestleMania. That's always good because they'll be fun. Edge and Christian are always fun. And again, I don't, I can't think of uh, of anything else that's going on in the world of wrestling. Obviously, we're building up to the Cody Rhodes All In Show, which is extremely exciting. The New Japan Cup, that's it. The New Japan Cup is interesting because Zack Saber Junior won that, and he took out, uh, he took out, I can't remember every, everything he took, everyone he took out now. But you know, in the space of two weeks, I, I did find it fascinating that you know New Japan had basically made a, a star, and he's now going to go on to fight Okada. I don't think he's going to win the belt or anything, but. It goes to show the differences in booking between the two companies and WWE and New Japan that is, and you know, maybe it's important to make sure wins and losses matter for this very reason. Now, I know Zack Sabre Jr. has a very, I don't want to call it a controversial style, but a style that a lot of people don't understand. Some people say they think it was boring. That's, I don't necessarily think that. I think it's different, but I don't think it's boring. Um, but yeah. I, 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 I just like that New Japan took a risk, I think. Again, something different, something out of left field, something I didn't expect. And again, I don't want to see the same type of wrestling over and over again. And I think Zack Sabre's submission-style wrestling is really entertaining to watch. To a, to a degree. I couldn't watch it match after match. But I did find it interesting when I found out why well, I didn't see any of the matches, unfortunately. I think one was supposed to be... Uh, was to be really good. One last piece of WWE news is apparently Samoa Joe is ready to come back. So, you know, we will we will have to wait and see. Um, I don't know whether he'll be back for WrestleMania. Maybe he could be Braun Strowman's partner. Maybe you hold him off to last after the after the show and have him feud with feud with Roman Reigns. But, you know, well I, I don't I'd rather Samojo didn't miss another WrestleMania for his own sake, because I know he missed uh, last year's, or I think he did. But either way, as long as he as long as he's healthy and happy. Uh, that's all that matters. What crazy WrestleMania we're going to have as well? Daniel Bryan's going to be on it. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor. All these people that you know were, were were huge indie stars back in the day, and now they're all going to be on WrestleMania. I mean, what a crazy, crazy world we live in! Absolutely nuts. Uh, and I think that's it. I think that's everything that happened in the world of, of pro wrestling. I haven't done any pimping, so make sure you join the Facebook group. Just search for Pro Wrestling Simon is Pro Wrestling Podcast in uh, in Facebook. Uh, you can support the podcast at Patreon, patreon.com for Simon316. Thank you to everyone that does keep doing that. If you believe you are entitled to come on the podcast, drop me a line on there or at Simon316, and we will get that sorted out as soon as we can. Uh, what else is there? I'm on Twitter at Simon316, although I am taking a bit of a social media break at the moment, just because I think it's good for the soul every now and then. Uh, and YouTube, youtube.com for the Miller Report rules if you want to watch all these rather than listen to them. Your choice, your life, you do what you want. Uh, we will be back at some point this week to the Q&A episode. I'll make sure that thread goes up on the Facebook group soon. And I think I'm trying to think of anything else we need to talk. I think Daniel, Daniel Bryan was the big thing this week, right? I think we could have probably talked about that till the, till the cows come home. But, you know, there's only so much I believe we can say. He's back. I think it's excellent that he's back. I think he sends a positive message to kids. <laughs> um, this is interesting. I mean, literally right now, just popped up in my notifications. TMZ, John Cena says WWE could have a transgender wrestler with the right story. I'd always be, terif always be terrified of WWE doing that just because of the way they handle everything else. But I do think it's probably long overdue at this point. I think... Uh, before we do transgender, maybe we need to do uh, prove that we can do a homosexual storyline right. Because the only one I can remember is Billy and Chuck, and that didn't go right. Not not even necessarily have to do a storyline. I think Darren Young could have done that. He could have just been a gay wrestler. 
Uh, but no, we couldn't. We, we weren't allowed to do that for some reason. But look, I, 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 as Cody Rhodes and all that lot say, always on. I always on Twitter. I think wrestling should be for everyone. Life should be for everyone. You shouldn't take anybody out just the way they choose to live your life. Because imagine they started doing that to you. You wouldn't like it, and you'd be pretty sad. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to me. Uh, keep an eye out for later in the week for the Q and episode. And yeah, keep kicking ass.